welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast. My name's Danny. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm a music publisher. I launched a very new and small independent music publishing company in October of last year, 2021. Um, and I've been doing this music business related podcast since 2018. This is a podcast where I talk to a whole range of different people in the music business about their career in music, about how they got into it, about why they got into it, their motivations, how they go about doing their job. And it's designed to provide a bit of insight for those people who want to get into the music business or for those people who are already in the music business trying to find uh, a new career, trying to work out where they want to get to, or just to reach out to the right people in the industry. This week's episode is with the amazing Remy Harris, MBE. Uh, she's a business consultant, coach, and mentor. So a little bit different this week than normal. Um she talks at great length about being a freelance consultant, about how she became a freelance consultant, about what she does, why she does it, what her tactics and techniques are. And we also did speak about her journey through the music business as part of the Association of Independent Music, AIM, and her time at UK Music, and also her involvement with the Young Guns Network. Uh, it was a fascinating chat, uh, looking through all these topics from this perspective, from a slightly different perspective. And there is, there, there's another hour's worth of conversation with Remy. So it would be awesome if I, could, if I could coax her back on to talk about some of the things that we didn't get the opportunity to speak about. Um, so I'm going to stop talking now because you really want to listen to my conversation with Remy Harris, MBE. My name is Remy Harris, been working in the music industry for over 20 years and I now run a business called Remy Harris Consulting which is a business that does training and coaching for creative people and so I specialize in business training and leadership training that helps those people to have more successful careers. And who, which clients have you been working with recently? So I do, I do work with individual creatives that come and book me directly, but mm -hmm. I work a lot with organizations like Tate Gallery, Barbican, um, Somerset House, Help Musicians UK, um, a lot of talent development organizations, mm -hmm. um, people like PRS Foundation, Brighter Sound, um, a lot, uh, basically a lot of organizations that work with creatives and support creatives in visual arts and music. Do you pick and choose the clients that you work with do you are you kind of do you do you have a bit of a, a get to know you session and then see whether or not it's a business that you can or would like to to work with um i'm normally looking to see that it's a good fit yeah. um and that i can help that person or i can help that organization and so there's normally a conversation where i find out a bit more about them and i see if i can offer them something um 
that will work. I do have some things that I have on my website, which are a bit more like book here, yep. you know, like helping people with grant funding applications. It's fairly straightforward. So it's like book here, this is the price. Yep. Um, and there you go. But I, I think, yeah, it is about, it is about the person um, or the organization kind of understanding how I work and me understanding how they work and what they need and it just being a good fit. But I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the conversations with people and, you know, getting to know people and finding out how I can help them, whether I can help them. And, yeah, yeah. you know, but often it's a very fluid com conversation that mm -hmm. goes into, well, I do this think I think I can help you. Yeah, yeah. This is how I would help you. Uh, here you go. Here's, you know, here's what I could offer. And, and so it's, I like that aspect of it. It's not completely formulaic. It's, you know, in, there is a, a, a relationship aspect to the work that I really enjoy. Um, yeah. How's your 2021 been? Um, it's been a, a massive learning experience. Um, it started off in lockdown, obviously, yeah. um, lockdown two, which is the most depressing <laughs> January that anyone's ever experienced. And um, yeah, it, 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 that, you know, that was a really tough time. But what um, what's been interesting is that a lot of creativity has come out of that as really well has, yeah. um being put under that pressure and having to come up with new ways of working mm -hmm. and it's uh, my work's really feel like it's really evolved this year um so that's been yeah it's been fun actually it's 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 worked it's worked out well in the end but it's been some ups and downs this have, 2021 have you have you found more people have been reaching out to you from the consultancy side of things because of that kind of added emphasis on I, I need to do something for myself I need to find my own pathway it's something that I'm currently yeah. doing with my own business at the moment are you have you found yeah a, a much kind of greater amount of people reaching out trying to get your expertise involved and things like that absolutely like right from the beginning of the pandemic um people have really had this need and the time to invest into training and coaching and changing what they're doing yes and taking a pause and reevaluating things and as that is what i help people to do <laughs> just designing and implementing training and coaching and yeah. all of that i've been very busy and i've had to develop new ways of working that can provide that support to more people and work with collaborators that i haven't worked with before mm -hmm. um and just work in different ways to adapt to that and obviously adapting everything to online as well so in terms of in terms of technical skills and in terms of ways of working it's been a massive change for me in mm -hmm. terms of how i'm how i'm doing things previously i would be on site with people doing training or i'd be developing training in different ways every single time yep. and the last couple of years i've had to focus on right this has got to be the same every time it's got to be the same quality it's got to be um adaptable to different you know to different situations okay. if things suddenly go back to online it has to be adaptable to that so <laughs> yeah. it's 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 really been um like uh, just a massive learning experience mm -hmm. all around i would say um and obviously all the issues that people who are getting the training and the coaching are dealing with you know working in the music industry it's all affected by 
the pandemic so severely so yeah it's been so interesting what have you you've I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to a whole range of different areas of the business uh during the pandemic um i try not to focus too much on the pandemic side of things it dates the conversation somewhat but yeah. are you are you hearing the same things being said by multiple areas of the business about the the kind of the pitfalls the trials and the tribulations we're going through or are you are you hearing different areas struggling or benefiting in different ways um you know some some music industry clients have really benefited from from this time uh, it sounds weird and i think some of them feel quite uncomfortable about saying that publicly because they um know how much other people have really struggled and suffered but for some people it's actually revolutionized how they're working i know people that have you know left the country set up new businesses um you know actually made probably more money in this last year because they've totally changed what they're doing than they were beforehand yeah. when they could just do what they'd always done and and that is really fascinating and i think those are things that we can do at any time mm -hmm. in terms of our personal development but the situation sort of put people in under so much pressure and they had to adapt whether they wanted to or not and some people have adapted really well um and 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 you know and and really productively for other people that i've been working with it's been lots of people going through one of the most difficult experiences of their career mm -hmm. all at the same time and it's really um been important in what i do and what i've programmed as well in terms of talks and speakers and things this year um to bring in people that have got compassion for that mm -hmm. and can really um help to uplift people and make them feel that there's hope and there's some action they can take um that's going to bring them out of the pandemic in reasonable shape, whatever they end up doing. What sort of startups and new ventures have you seen people, you know, coming up with? Have you been have you borne witness to some quite inspiring entrepreneurial thinking? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've seen some people doing really interesting things it, with live events. That we all saw people adapting their live events to online and, and things to still reach their audience. Um, some people who have, you know, gone away and written and produced most amazing music um and have done that in a you know more in a really brave way and have come out with with that work you know um recently mm -hmm. also people who have people have kind of thrown stuff out there just just you know as a way to adapt to the situation and have found that it works it worked really well like starting to do um online teaching or starting mm -hmm. to do um something as a, like a product business that people could be buying just 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 pivoting people that are doing interesting stuff in crypto and nfts 
um, as well. I feel like it's no coincidence that that's really taken off while everybody's been stuck at home. Yes. <laughs> Very uh, bored. And the jury's uh, the jury's out with the NFTs on my, my side yeah. of things. I'm not I'm not convinced yeah. whether or not it's a it's a fad or a flash in the pan or whether it's kind of the uh, yeah the next the next I, big I think, leap. Well, I think on the business on the business side, people have been people have been talking about it for a long time it's just come more into the mainstream Mm -hmm. and maybe this could be the mainstream heyday don't know very true but actually um having having been in the music industry through its painful transition from from physical products to digital products Mm. um people who were involved in that in the early stages are now you know the world experts in that and have been through a lot of business failures and ups and downs and difficulties and things and actually um i don't i don't necessarily see it as a as a negative if if these things do peter out Uh um but what's really interesting that you were saying about people being put on furlough or you know you give up a job or you you know you lose a job these experiences can be very emotional and painful and difficult and challenging for people and um and we think of them as bad things you know because we feel sometimes sometimes negative emotions about them why did i do that why did this happen to me um and uh you know and you know we feel pissed off about it at the time we feel angry about it Mm -hmm. but actually with a wider lens they can be really transformative moments as well where it creates the space and the energy for you to do different things that you would never have done if you were in your in your secure job or or you know devoting your energies to teaching in your case mm-hmm. um, and and that's very much my experience of being made redundant uh 2012 was at the f- at, at first i was like oh god this is this is not good <laughs> this is not a good thing but then i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now if that hadn't pushed me into self-employment and okay, actually in in the long run it's been a real it's been a real positive so you know I don't want to make light of how difficult um the last couple of years have been for many many people mm-hmm. um but with a wider with a wider lens you know it there's there's change and renewal and opportunities to do things differently that come out of that and I, I think that that can be um, one one positive that we can take away from yeah yeah uh, that that's that's an in, it's interesting thing you bring up there because there's obviously lots that I'd love to talk about hopefully we'll we'll have more than enough time to 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 talk about your entire journey through music that it's a very interesting slightly different journey than many you know it's not via record companies or publishing companies and things like that mm. but uh, you know my my next question was going to be so when you became freelance when you when you launched the consulting business was that a was that a considered choice on your part you go no this is what I want to do but it it seems as though it was kind of thrust upon you somewhat well I think after I um after I was made redundant from my job I then took a temporary job which was quite fun um working on the olympic open i was gonna say that was the the olympics one yeah yeah, nice yeah so that was that was an amazing you know opportunity i actually i actually um left my 
previous job um, on a Friday, I think, and then started my next job in uh, doing the Olympic stuff uh, like on the on the Monday or the Tuesday. <laughs> it's all right. Um, so it, yeah, that worked out okay in the end. Um, but that was that was a bit of a kind of fire break, really, something completely different working um animation you know totally different from what i'd done before Mm -hmm. and um and then from there i was like oh what do i want to do went to a job interview for a job similar to the one that i'd been doing previously and i just felt sick okay (laughs) i just felt really sick in the job interview i thought maybe this is not for me maybe i don't want to work for somebody else and it was like a visceral reaction that made me think no this isn't this isn't what i want to do i've got to find something else um, and and that led me into exploring well what else can I do and what's what's out there mm-hmm. so it definitely wasn't a considered decision I you know given that I train people now in business skills and I've got a, a, a master's in business and things I did not sit down and do a strategy and do a business plan and things it was much more intuitive okay. and gradual and you know trial and error try this Oh, really like that. Maybe I can do more of that. Maybe that can become my thing. How long it was... did it? How long did that process take? Because um, someone who's who's also freelance, it's you know, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of running around trying to get paid business in in those first few months or even years. So, yeah, how long um, did it take for you? Well, the first six months was easy because I had, I guess, accumulated goodwill and contacts and things throughout my previous 10 years or more in mm-hmm. the industry and then I remember the year I think I haven't got any working for January what am I going to do I've got, no, I've got nothing to I've got no work what am I going to do so I thought oh, I've got this idea to write a book that I had actually when I was employed and it was really like kind of poo-pooed by my work and I just still thought it was a good book idea is that the easy money thought, book? I'm going to have to. Or is that this is the easy different? money book? Yeah. yeah, this is the easy money book, and I I thought I'm going to have to tell people something. Uh, you know, when I'm out and about in January, I can't. I don't really want to say I haven't got any work. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't got a clue. Um, so I thought I'll tell them I'm writing a book. That sounds good. That sounds good. So and it I forces had, you into I had writing the idea. A book. <laughs> had the idea and I put it out there that I was writing a book and I wanted to write this book about funding and make it easier for managers and artists and so on to get funding and I just thought it was a real need mm-hmm. and word got around and and my publisher who also thought that this would be a good topic for a book and that there was a need for this um got in contact with me and said oh here you've got this idea we were going to do something on this maybe maybe we could do it together mm-hmm. so I kind of pitched them my idea and how I saw the project developing and by the end of the conversation they were like yeah that's that's exactly what we want nice. why don't we just pay you to do it instead of <laughs> um instead of trying to find somebody else to write it you seem to know what you're talking about yeah um, and so you know it was a bit of bs to be honest um not that I wasn't going to do it but I was just going to do it on my own and nobody had asked me to do it I just thought it was good um and it and it ended up getting picked up so that really obviously really helped me then to devote the time to um, to, to getting that out there. So that was in finished. So that was in 2015. That was in that was in 2013. Okay. Um, so January 2013 started putting it about. I was going to write the book by um, summer of 2013. I had written a book, and it was being edited. So it 
you know it happened like that basically mm-hmm. um and around then i was starting to do other other freelance work and other things and then the book came out and i think that was the week that i found out i was pregnant with my oldest child who's now seven and so that really focused the mind on what i was going to do yes because i started to think i can't really i can't really mess around here like i've got to i've got to come up with something mm-hmm. that is a bit more um focused and is a bit clearer what i'm doing so i'm doing this and that and you know various different kind of freelance jobs random things um and i need to be a bit a bit more business like about it mm-hmm. um and luckily you know working with all these independent labels at aim and and, and things we haven't really touched on that but working with all these independent labels and with friends in the music industry i knew well i could i can be freelance i can be self-employed i can define what it is i'm going to do and having written the book it was a very natural next step to do public speaking around that and teach and to do workshops and to give advice to people Mm -hmm. just sort of flowed very naturally from there so i thought right i'm going to focus on that i'm going to do that as well as i can um and built a website you know made it into a made it into a more serious business um really focused on it actually contacted everybody i knew and told them i was doing it um and that i had actually does help you know lots of people thought i left i was still working at aim because i worked there for 10 years so yeah, they yeah. still knew me as remy from aim yeah. so i was like i don't work at aim anymore um i'm i'm doing this business and this is what this is what it's all about um and so that was the that was the start of it actually being a serious uh, endeavor <laughs> Is the funding side of the industry kind of your main go-to, kind of that's kind of at, at the centre of, of everything that you're doing and then the, the kind of the coaching, the mentoring, all that sort of stuff, you've, you've gradually bolted that on? Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a small part that just fit really nicely with okay. the book and people's awareness of that and the visibility that came with that, that it was, you know, Music Week and I had a, a writing articles in Music Week, writing articles on BBC. Mm-hmm. And and so it seemed obvious people were like saying, will you do this? Can you do this? Can you come and do a talk about it? So I was like, okay, well, that seems like a natural yep. thing. I like doing that and I know I can do that and I've got the reputation for that. And then um, gradually from there, I started to incorporate other aspects. So I started to do business advice and consulting for wider creative industries, businesses. Mm-hmm. So started to think more. I'd, I'd already thought about it a bit, actually, but I started to think more about what they had in common and what the people who ran them had in common, um, how they were different from my image or the conventional image of a business person and why they might need uh, help in a different way. Okay. Um, so at business school, we talked obviously about business for two years while I was doing that masters and all the examples were really multinational businesses and things like car manufacturing and 
you know con concrete making and things like that <laughs> yeah. um and I, I just thought there's a lot of great stuff in here but it just doesn't fit with any of the business owners that i know even the most successful financially and in terms of their reputation independent record label owners that i know are not thinking like this mm -hmm. they have different motivations and different ways of working which are really good you know really work well in the music industry but it's just not in the curriculum um yeah, of, yeah. which is you know the standard business school at all the other the other area of that is kind of just the the simple fact of where the money comes from and working with people and you know like copyrights and the intricacies of ownership and who gets say what it's it's often overlooked in it you know it's not a simple service industry where so and so provides entertainment and it's also not a simple product industry where there is a thing and you go and buy you know you make it and you buy it it's there's so many more moving parts and there's so many more intricacies in there that just completely overlooked i mean you know, i've i've done multiple marketing style modules and it's always toothpaste brands and you know these kind of simple products of all right how do we get point of sale in a shop it's like that's that's not how music works well it does but it it's not in the same in the same way i guess it's not it's not in the same way but also even more than the differences of um even more than the differences of the, the type of business that it is, the type of industry that it is, the, the people and the people who are doing it independently are different from the people that you read about in the textbooks. Right. I mean, there, there are books out there that are about independent business people, and I read a lot of them, biographies mm -hmm. and kind of how I, how I did it, kind of books by different entrepreneurs and things. Um, and that all the music industry people I knew kind of fell into it by accident. Their mate was in a band. They, you know, they might have been really qualified, bright people. They might have been people who didn't have an O-level or a GCSE between them. They, they were quite a varied bunch of people, but they really cared about music and they were really motivated by not only the financial aspect, there's something in business school that you learn, which is the, um, is, is like the financial motivation so mm -hmm. a business should act rationally so say the textbooks they should they should evaluate all of the options and they should put the money and their investment into what gives them the greatest return and um it's a profit maximization principle so if if widget a is going to make you more money than widget b then you go for widget a if making widget B is going to make you more money than keeping your money in the bank. Then you just start making widget B because it's logical because you would make more money doing it. Mm -hmm. And none of the music industry people had operated in that way. It was a lot more fluid and kind of messy and luck and relationship based mm -hmm. and based on their gut instincts or them having a particular ear for something that nobody even knew that they wanted yet but in two years time they would want it yeah that you know all of those kind of things and their personalities were so important in what shaped their label and their brand and their um their way of hearing music and the way of connecting with the audience and actually probably what's really exciting is how the music 
industry and, and all different creative industries can just take off very quickly. You can have something which is nobody knows they want yet. And, and you know, a few months later, everybody wants it and it can mm -hmm. just be, be, be global. <laughs> yes. It can be globally successful. And the mechanism of how does that actually happen and how do people, um, how do people kind of catch on to trends? I guess it's all very data analyzed now with social media and things, but you know, there's still a magic to it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, definitely. Are you seeing with, with the kind of, the, especially the, the younger people that you work with and we'll come on to uh, the young gun stuff uh, in a bit, but are you seeing that type of person change? So you kind of your old school music business people and your new school music business people. Is there a is there a separation between the two of them? So many interesting music industry caricatures and characters and, <laughs> and memes and stuff. Um, I mean, I guess the people that I grew up learning from, a lot of them were involved in in things like punk and a real DIY kind of very counterculture way of operating and almost didn't want to be seen as as businessmen in suits mm -hmm. most of them were men were like a few really really notable women but a lot a lot very male I would say yeah now I think entrepreneurs now in the music industry are much more diverse um uh there are more women um they a lot some of them still have got a kind of diy and countercultural ethos but a lot of them are very are very business oriented i think people my age so generation x are uh with like known as thatcher's babies in the uk so we, we grew up with a lot of the principles of business being part of our language mm -hmm. in a way that our parents who my parents who wanted a safe reliable job for life kind of thing i wouldn't say that's what they wanted but that's that's that was the typical um career option yeah for their generation it, it changed a bit to this idea of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurialism being a good thing and being something we should all be doing mm -hmm. and i feel like the generation below me and two below me have really bought into that a lot um, people will quite readily accept that we should all be building a personal brand and, you know, we should yeah. all be having follow followers and we should all be influencing and, and things like that. I'm, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think it's a generational evolution mm -hmm. really. And, and so people that I see um, setting up businesses now in, on the one hand um, have all the same issues that an older person would have or that the previous generation would have to do with financing, to do with mindset, to do with, um, to do with how they're marketing their business and how they're growing what they're doing. But I think they ha are able to take influence from, you know, from across the world, mm -hmm. really have access to quite ready kind of data from customers around the world as well. And I think a much more, um culturally kind of able to see themselves as having multiple roles or multiple businesses through yeah. their through their life so it's a it's it's i wouldn't say it's easier for them but it's different that it's, 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 di it's a different, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really different generational thing that i've noticed and i do train people who are between 
the age of 16 up to like mid 60s so i'd see this yeah you definitely playing see out the, the in the training range. room yeah you know with, with these with these different um different kind of cultural uh understandings of what it is to to run your own business You've mentioned AIM and a few things. So I'd like to go back now and kind of say, what drew you to the music business in the first place? Were you a performer? Were you were you in in bands? I know that there's um, on your website it says that you were always involved in creative things. But yeah, what? Why did you take a job at at the Association of Independent Music? Or, I mean, I, I never thought I would work in the music industry, really. I was just like an average music fan. I wouldn't even say I was like a music super fan or anything like that. I loved, um, I was involved with carnival and carnival bands. Um, I was involved with theatre. I liked production. I liked the backstage. I liked making the costumes. I liked buying the props. I liked running the show. Mm -hmm. Um you know performed a few times but I wasn't really I wasn't really interested in that I really liked the behind the scenes aspect of you know being involved in putting on something that people would enjoy mm -hmm. um and I think I could have just as easily gone into like live events or or, or something like that I it's a it's quite a long story but also a short story I I did um have a relative who is in music industry and that's probably how it, I knew that that was a job and that was a thing okay. um and also I would say my dad's obsessive about music but not only music but the music industry so he okay. doesn't even work in the music industry and he subscribes to music week <laughs> and I could have a conversation with him about you know the leadership at any major label and he knows probably more than I do <laughs> about who's nice. in there so so that was helpful um but really it, it comes down to I just saw a job uh, advertised in Music Week, and it was a better job than the one I was doing. Um, <laughs> as and it as turned that. out to be—it turned out to be a life-changing opportunity um, to go and help set up Association of Independent Music, mm -hmm. what became Association of Independent Music. Um, work for a startup, put in place all of those systems. You know, phone every independent label in the UK and say, "Would you like to be part of this thing we're setting up?" Um, it's going to be an association for you and you know um here's here's what it's all about and to be part of that process and i just had no no clue you know what i was going to be doing and how important it was going to become in the music industry mm. um at that stage i just saw a job it was a better job it sounded like fun went you know went for a meeting said the right things i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and got into it and i think in that at that stage as well the music industry was much more informal we're talking about late 90s so it wasn't the professionalized um industry with tons of de degree courses mm -hmm. they were just sort of in their early days i would say um at that stage yeah. and, and and so it was you know it was a chance for somebody with good admin skills to get into a really good job i think now you probably have to have a music business management degree to get a get a chance <laughs> i think it's i think it helps but i don't think it's it's necessary i mean i know enough 
music supervisors who who kind of did you know microbiology and stuff like that and i think it's it's when it comes to music i still think that it's passion for for the music still shines through that little bit more than anything else if you've got if you've got the other stuff if you've got the 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 training uh, in the mechanics of um of copyright and stuff like that then it can it it's it helps yeah I think what, what got me the job was that I'd had loads of jobs. I'd had so many jobs by then. I'd worked for <laughs> British Gas. I'd worked for Lloyds Bank in the summer holidays. I'd worked for a marketing company doing reception, doing admin. I'd worked uh, at a music venue. I'd, I'd honestly had about 14 jobs by the time I got this like big break job. Okay. Um, and, and so I think I got hired because I had a lot of skills. Like I didn't go to the interview and go, I really love music. I'm so passionate about music. I went to the job and I was like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And they're yeah, like, yeah. great, we need somebody who can do all that. Come on, <laughs> come on board. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and so the, the learning process about the music industry started started then on, on day one of that job, really. And you're you're working at a, an, a, you know, a, an organisation that's there to support and help the independent music scene at probably its toughest time as well so there was probably quite a lot to be doing in kind of 2000 2001 it must have been pretty pretty interesting it was so interesting for i mean for those who who don't know um aim was set up in 1999 and it came out of a few years of discussions that it, um the independent record labels had been having between themselves about what to do about digital um, and the fact that the mp3 had been invented um, what to do about international and the consolidation of major labels and the fact that they were all operating out of the uk and obviously majors had offices around the world how to um you know support and defend themselves and have access to the market mm -hmm. in that situation and just responding to the commercial challenges that they were all facing and obviously my old boss Alison Wenham um, at uh, AIM referred to the job of running AIM as herding cats because these are all very independent individuals with strong opinions not only about music but about the business side as well and so getting them all in a room and getting them to elect their you know elected leaders and come together and put their money in as well yeah, yeah. um and and set up a professional operation was not an easy was not an easy um process for them i mm -hmm. think and so i just came in slotted in at the point when they'd hired a chief executive they decided to set up this organization they agreed the budget um and i came in on on day probably probably week one or whatever and was told right these are the these are the labels um who are backing us we haven't got any money um <laughs> everything's everything's on the boss's credit card but can you can you invoice them so i thought right better learn how to do an invoice then um and and learn from there and sent you know sent off the first invoices and then we got lists i think from all the distributors of who all the labels were and just were told okay just start ringing them um, chat to them all on the phone. So I think we probably phoned about 400 labels um, in that first few months mm -hmm. of, of running AIM and the announcement that AIM was launching and everything. And um, 
just gradually more and more labels came on board and that that uh as you say is like an incredible time of change where they all had to really band together and and work together to deal with global companies like apple mtv um uh, napster yahoo and Mm -hmm. uh, come up with a, a joint approach to working with those um businesses that made commercial sense for them mm-hmm. and help them to you know help them to navigate uh that situation so there was a lot of collaboration and it was just such an exciting thing to be part of but as you know very turbulent time for the independent sector definitely would you, would you say there's there's parallels to what's happening now with streaming and diy and service uh service businesses and things like that kind of taking you know changing things again or is it is it just a different different thing that the industry is trying to to navigate continuing to evolve it i mean that that change to digital was so massive i just don't know if people really appreciate how big that was Mm. because imagine imagine if you will uh you know a thousand different independent record labels who have all got their own systems for recording say label copy word documents lotus one two three database Mm -hmm. that they've built themselves like all these different systems imagine prs but everything's on paper everything's on those paper paper. (laughs) everything's on those paper forms that you have to fill out and they were like uh you know carbon carbon paper and you had to press really hard to get it to go through to the third copy in the form i remember those and all of that so you remember that so so that investment and the negotiation of what data are we going to collect? You know, how are we going to store that? Who's going to own it? Are are the major labels going to put their data in? Or are they going to want to have a say over the data systems that are used by all the independents? All of all of that, plus so many new companies mm-hmm. launching, getting investment, having to work out which one to deal with you know, which one was going to last, which one had a viable business model and all of that. It was absolutely, you know, a massive, massive change. So I, I think that was a bigger change, actually, okay. than anything that's that we've experienced recently. Mm-hmm. It was it was just more it was more sudden and more yeah, yeah. all encompassing throughout the business. And now it feels like it's still iterating and changes, right. you know, changes taking place very progressively but that was such a massive it was one dump all at once whereas now we've just got to kind of keep up with this kind of constant wheel that's that's still yeah. rolling everyone everyone was just downloading music off napster and the you know the, the music industry collectively if yeah. i can say that because there's so many different parts of it but mm-hmm. was being told well why don't you just you know sell music online or why don't you just and it was like it's not that easy yeah <laughs> you've got to work out you know as you know as a publisher the the, the systems the splits the data the dirt, dirt you know you've got to get thousands of companies and, and individual artists to all provide the same information in the same format mm-hmm. in order to sell something as a digital product through one retail you know space 
um, and all of that. Then you've got the fact that all the different retailers want things in different formats. They will want to offer different terms. It, it was so messy. So it was like an accelerated version of what had taken decades to build up mm-hmm. um, in this sort of um, non-digital world, if you like. That's that's how I saw it yeah. as well as a, as a 20-something kind of coming into it and just seeing all of that process going on. You were at AIM for better part of a decade. There was a lot a yeah. lot going on there. When you moved on to UK music, which then kind of expanded the scope from just the indies to pretty much the music industry as a whole, was that, was that a kind of... I guess how much influence did you see coming from the part of the industry that wasn't the independence and how much of a change was that in your kind of the viewpoint the yeah the view that you had of the industry looking after the majors as well and also the publishers and the live scene to a degree yeah I mean I I certainly understood a lot more that almost every music industry story and um you know business story is about who gets what percentage (laughs) um and protecting copyright almost everything has has that dynamic at its base so when you see like the the, for example the recent um brilliant campaign that's been going on about songwriters getting their fair share from streaming Mm -hmm. that's that's what's driving behind it it's 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 ownership and it's copyright and it's um it's power dynamics and it's percentages when you look at most of the stories the campaign of songwriters to get a better share from streaming that's what's underlying it mm-hmm. are those structures in the industry yeah. and working for uk music and seeing all the different parties that were sort of on the same side but also competing on competing yeah you know, you you felt that dynamic in there, and then also working with the other creative industries. So working with people from fashion and people from computer games and people from TV production and film, mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, what was going on in those industries in terms of skills, in terms of access to finance, in terms of their um, lobbying to government and what they were getting out of their relationship with government, what they were doing internationally, that really opened my eyes to kind of see um, where the music industry fit in, you know, nationally and globally. What was it like lobbying for, on behalf of, of the music industry? A lot to... of alcohol was consumed. <laughs> to government. <laughs> nice. There was, there was karaoke. <laughs> These sound like really, um, really good lobbying we... sessions karaoke with members of the house of lords that was fun um going to party conferences having those discussions you know as an industry and then trying to present them in a really persuasive way Mm -hmm. meeting civil servants um you know everyone involved in uk music you know the the trade associations the businesses and the executive that i was part of really played their part there in um being consistent with the mm-hmm. messages and trying to trying to get what the industry needed and trying to get you know things in place that were going to benefit the industry whether that's music education funding 
um, you know, which is providing the pipeline of talent coming into the industry and appreciation of music um, through to, um, you know, European copyright directive changes and things like that. Um, So interesting to see what Mm -hmm. a long game that is. Do you still keep one eye? on on how it's how it's continuing to go and kind of do you see the or do you feel the frustrations that still that you might have felt back when you were uh, back when you were involved in it I, I i found it frustrating i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it really played to my strengths because i i'm i just want to get shit done and it's not really about that or it's not really like that you you can have you can make you can achieve certain things along the road but i Mm -hmm. i think some of it is about defending the position defending copyright as a as a concept you know um making sure the value of that is recognized and that's a that's an ongoing campaign um forever probably and i think (laughs) (laughs) and i think um being self-employed now and like i like the ability to just come up with something implement it get it done you know get it done and and move really quickly yeah i don't think a career in politics isn't for everybody it's not but i mean it's great to it's great to it's great to be a part of that and there've been some really good yeah um business owners that have been part of that got involved with the trade association mm-hmm. aspect or the lobbying aspect campaigning and really have done well you know really have made a difference um in how in how they're perceived but obviously with things like this the um campaign on um the campaign on streaming rights you know exposes those those disagreements between the different parts of the industry and how differently it's seen by ma- the major label versus the you know the songwriter but also it just it, it exposes some of those fault lines it was it? it just outlines just how many moving parts there are it's not as simple as like pay that that group of people more it kind of it, it it's quite often spoken about in that in that sort of way that these people should be getting paid more okay we'll just magic money out of thin air or will but it, you know the, it just it outlines as you pointed earlier you know, the amount of the industry that kind of works together but also works I guess against each other and you've got to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page and point facing facing the right direction or something disruptive will happen that just forces the situation true you know um because it's not like everybody wanted to change over to digital or was really like yeah this is going to be great for our industry you know just this it just was forced forced upon them from outside to some degree you know and and so it was a question of adapting you know the the political kind of um wind can change very and true, so something, very true that yes. pe- something that people were struggling to communicate can suddenly be heard and be amplified um with a good campaign and so it's it's um interesting to see the dynamics of how yeah, that yeah. of how that happens it is it is like such an important part of the of the industry but it's quite it's quite far removed from working directly with people who are running their own business and, and that's yes. what i really really like
I'm, I'm really keen to learn more from, from yourself about the Young Guns Network that you set up uh, back in 2013. Yep. Um, what is it? Uh, what's it achieved? What's, what's some of the, 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 the things that you're most proud of? That have come out of it well people will those those attentive listeners will note that it was set up before i had children um, <laughs> and i did have time to just go oh that sounds like quite good fun let's up a networking event so the intention of it was to have a networking event or a conference or a music industry event that was um, featuring younger speakers and aimed at creating a networking space for a younger demographic mm-hmm. um, and we focused on 18 to 30 year olds we tried to think about people who were maybe in an internship or in their first job somewhere second job somewhere and they wanted to connect with other people at other companies they felt intimidated by going to a music industry event where everybody knew everybody and needed a kind of gentle path into that um and to meet you know to meet other people that were like themselves and it ended up being a really diverse, really fun group organised by young people in the music industry, founded by myself and Sam Potts, um, who's uh, now one of the promotions uh, leaders at AWOL. And it, it just it just evolved naturally um, into a regular kind of meetup and um, event that we put on. But what has been really fantastic, and it's just carried on, we've done about 50 or 60 events now mm-hmm. um, over the years, is and, and developed all sorts of other projects out of it, is um, the number of people that come back to me and say good things about it um, from, a, from a participant point of view. So they come and say, people have said to me, oh, I, you know, when I moved to London, I just didn't know anybody and I came to... Young Guns Network and I met loads of people and I met my first boss here. I met the, the crowd of people that I've kind of become really good friends with in the industry. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have gotten jobs from their involvement in organizing it and putting the events on as well as from just bumping into people at the event mm-hmm. as well. And I feel really, really proud of that. People had, um, really that they just reported back that it had really helped them coming into the industry and they felt very welcomed yeah, yeah. into the industry from that being, you know, one of their early experiences. And I, I feel really, really proud about that, that they didn't feel like it was. It's an intimidating Those industry. people over there it is intimidating. And we really tried to have speakers who were often, you know, a year, two, three years ahead of where the audience were. Yeah. Um, and to, so that you could, you know, I felt like people could see how the steps, you know, how to get there, how they could get into the industry, because it is kind of irrelevant, really, how, how somebody did it 20 years ago. It's so relevant how somebody did it, you know, 18 months ago, that is really good information that you can use. Mm -hmm. And also it's not intimidating. It's the opposite of intimidating. It's inspiring because you're like, oh, I could do that. That's actually something I could, that's actually where I could be. You know, in a year, I could be where that person is. Well, it's also having those experiences. It's also I. I was. I really like this idea. Of just kind of getting a collective of of people all at the same place, all at the, all in the same part of their journey, give or take. 
you know as, as yeah. i said that you know one of my very first experiences of of networking and that side of the industry in london was going to a going to a sync event and knowing nobody there but everybody knowing each other there and i literally walked in i bought a beer i drank that beer stood at the bar and then i turned around and i left and that was my experience i kind of thinking I'm not I'm not going to I'm not I'm not cut out for this. So having having something like this where you get a a collection of people all in that sort of similar situation to all come together and kind of create create something that's a little bit more not you know it's not that the industry isn't inclusive but someone say look we're all in this together so let's all kind of start on the same foot I guess. I think the industry wasn't that inclusive really because when I used to go to events in 2012 2013 and whatever I would go to events and there would be you know 200 people there and only five black people um and I you know knew them all and so so going to it just happens very organically because of the people who are involved in organizing it but going to Young Guns Network event and 30 or 40 percent of the people were were from black and Asian backgrounds and it was about 50 50 men and female and you know and and so that being your experience and going oh okay it was all these people because remember a lot of the people were going to work in a business where there weren't that many people um say from like their ethnic background or whatever and they were possibly the only one in their team and that was my experience anyway all throughout my career so to to come to an event and there's the one from the other company and the other company and you're all together and you go okay I've got there are people out there excuse me even though I'm not seeing them in my day-to-day um you know journey through the company and stuff but they're just tucked away doing their job in another company Mm -hmm. and also the the other key part of Young Guns Network was to take people into spaces um so that they could see them so we went to do events at Spotify Okay. Um, at something else at Shazam at, um, at the BBC and took uh, Sony Universal took people into those spaces so they could meet the other people who worked there who, yep. who were invited to the event um, and see what was going on there and you know just get a, get a flavor for the business because these were places that their bosses were going to have meetings at um, and, and they weren't there to be able to go in there go oh I was at Spotify last night or I was doing this and you know have contacts with people at those companies I think that really helped people to see um the opportunities for them to work there as well mm-hmm. that was quite an important part of it in in the early stages and so yeah it's it's um still going nearly nine years later yeah awesome. um, it's been a really it's been a really good thing to be a part of I'm very proud of everybody that's been part of it amazing Remy, thank you so much for talking to me today. Really, really appreciate you giving me your time and insights on all of these on all of these topics. Oh, appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for letting me uh, rant to your <laughs> listeners for, for an hour. Um, I've really enjoyed our chat. Massive thank you to Remy there uh, for giving me uh, some of her precious time to talk to me about her career in music. As I said, um, there's so much more I want to talk to her about. 
that we didn't get the opportunity to. She's been involved in so many different things. It's the first time I've got to speak to an MBE for a start. Uh, so I'd love to get her back on. So fingers crossed I can do that. If you want to reach out to Remy, find her on her website. That's RemyHarrisConsulting.com. You can also find her on Instagram at RemyHarrisMBE, on Facebook at RemyHarrisConsulting. And if you're interested in the Young Guns Network, uh, go to YGN.co and all the information that you need is there. If you would like to reach out to me via the podcast, do get in touch via email at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Danny Champion, on Instagram at DC Music Publishing, on Facebook at DC Music Business. Uh, those of you who are interested in learning a bit more about the music publishing company that I've got, uh, do check out my website at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Uh, I will say this every week, but please do like, subscribe, comment, uh, rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is very, very helpful. Um, I will be back over the next few weeks with some more episodes and hopefully plenty more throughout 2022. Thank you very much once again and I'll speak to you all very, very soon.